Welcome to Hotel Analyst Perspective Podcast. Each week we delve into the key stories impacting hotel investors globally. And if you like what you hear, do find out more about what we have to say at hotelanalyst.co.uk. My name is Chris Bowen. I'm the web editor at Hotel Analyst. And joining me around our UK table at the editorial office is Andrew Sangster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst, and Catherine Dogrell, Hotel Analyst perspective editor. This week we are talking about hostels, about Airbnb, and about buying hotel rooms on Amazon. Andrew, the hostel sector looks to be maturing quite nicely. Indeed it does, Chris, and I think the point I'd like to make is about the rise and rise of a, a broader spectrum of accommodation providers which are loosely grouped under hotel alternatives. And I think you can look at these through two different lenses. The first lens is that of consumers, and um, this is the sense that consumers now have a, an array of different offers. Um, in terms of where they need, where they can possibly stay. If, if you look at a company like Booking.com, uh, the biggest provider of accommodation globally, um, they list 400,000 hotels, but they list 1.2 million um, non-hotels, for want of a better term. So something other than hotels. So this could be serviced apartments. This could indeed be hostels. Um, this could increasingly, it's the case that it's. Um, uh, residential apartments on short lets, but it also includes all sorts of exotic stuff like um, tree houses and that kind of jazz, caravans and those sort of things. So I, th I think you've, you've got that one lens there in terms of the consumer and the growth um, there for consumers. Um, a key driver of that, of course, is the rise of the so-called sharing platforms, of which Airbnb is the poster child. Um, Alongside that, though, you've got the investor lens, and if you look at that, I think you, you know what, what's driving the interest of investors in in things outside of hotels is the current environment in terms of real estate investment, the, the need to pursue yield, the ever lower yields that uh, other more conventional forms of real estate seem to be offering, um, and so the excitement for investors is that you know let's have a let's have a little dabble here in hostels and we can get a potentially a higher return, and what's really exciting accelerated it for hostels um, was patrons investment in generator and the exit they made successful exit they made and there's been a lot of subsequent interest in hostels um, notably TPG going into A&O um, but also if you look at the, the team up between Meiniger which is a hostel hotel hybrid and the team up um, Meiniger has done with Foncier de Mure in terms of the provision of um, uh, property for the Meininger concept. There's a whole bunch of alternatives out there now in, in, which are specific hostel brands. And it's a, it's a very dynamic and very exciting market right now. And Catherine, you've been casting your eye over some of the most recent deals. I have been casting my eye, yes. Um, my eyes are slightly troubled at the moment at Andrew's image of caravans as being exotic. But um, <laughs> but away from what, what doesn't doesn't pass for an exotic holiday on Booking.com. Um, yes, Soku, finally, um, after a full start in Manchester, are opening in uh, Copenhagen and Vienna. Vienna is obviously very popular this week because Safe to Stay, which has also just raised £11 million, is also opening in Vienna. And um, Generator, as you mentioned, we've been watching, been making slow and cautious movements in the US. 
US and um, have acquired a site in Washington DC. <clears throat> and what makes this site particularly interesting is that at the moment it's a courtyard by Marriott. So that's a case of the, the valuation put on it by a hostel operator is now exceeding that of a hotel operator. And, and I believe that's not the only hotel that's switching because isn't safe, one of SafeStay's new properties uh, currently a hotel as well? I believe that's the case, yes. Yeah, and I think it's quite interesting actually you're seeing a move here where um, we're, we're moving a, uh, away from hotels being judged simply on their top line and I think a, a much more standard real estate is how much cash are you making per square foot per square meter um, of the property you're investing in which is the key metric and uh, I know for the hostel providers in particular this is obviously essential because you, you know it's not a quite a case of you know how do you measure your revenue per available um, room it's, it's simply a nonsense metric you can do a sort of revenue per available bed but um, again you know what really matters from an investor perspective is what drops down to the bottom line and I think what the alternatives are increasingly being able to demonstrate is you can make more money with these concepts and you've seen an example of an investor who's leapt into the space um, in the alternative space is Starwood Capital put some cash into Yotel that they see you know what they're very excited is that they believe you can get a high yield per per area um, with Yotel than you can a conventional hotel and I think we're going to see more and more of this and I think hoteliers are going to have to start responding by saying look this is what we're making per square meter um, so I think we, we're moving into a more mature age I think on how we measure the effectiveness of hotel investment. Thank you. Right. And that's from uh, one part of uh, the disruptive elements in the hotel space to uh, let's talk now a bit more about the uh, poster child for disruption in the accommodation space, Airbnb. And they finally, I think, revealed a little bit more information about how big their uh, their revenues have grown to, Catherine. Yes. Well, not much more. That's um, They've said they've uh, seen substantially more than $1 billion in revenue in the third quarter. This is the first time they say they've gone over a billion dollars. And of course, at this point, where they haven't IPO'd, it's hard to say how much more it is. It could be one pound, it could be £100,000. Who can say? Not Airbnb. And we all await their IPO as ever with interest. <laughs> they are beginning to grow up a little bit, though. I mean, you've seen um, they've got their first independent non-exec director earlier this year. They managed to replace their C CFO with a with another heavyweight. I mean, it's Dave Stevenson who's come in from Amazon. Um, so what what you're seeing is is a company which is at least looking at this idea of becoming a a regular grown-up company they're still in their adolescence phase and I think Brian Chesky has made clear that he doesn't want to do anything next year but um, maybe the year after um, could be when they go for it. Because they're still sort of uh, on the one hand looking to be the responsible citizen and uh, let's face it with Uber out there um, also as another disruptor it's quite easy to look uh, good by comparison but uh, on the other hand they are not being totally straight with certain degrees of uh, authority uh, out there are they? No, no, and I, I think there are three areas um, where you can um, criticise them on. Yeah, um, what the first and most important is life safety. They need to start doing more in life safety. They need to demand that their hosts comply with the local regulations at the very least. They have to start 
um, producing gas certificates. They have to start producing electrical safety certificates in, in the UK and, and the equivalent certification elsewhere um, in, in other jurisdictions. Um, that, that they should be doing that as a matter of course and that you know any investors putting cash into their IPO when the company hasn't been doing that I think is, is taking a very big risk indeed and our institutional investors ought to be extremely cautious of that as a matter of course. So I think that's a, that's a very important fix they need to do. I think they will do that and they can do that and they're, they're making moves to do that. The second area I think is tax. Um, they are beginning to edge towards some degree of compliance here where they've been been, been squeezed a little bit we're seeing um, um, in particular with in local authorities where the uh, regional um, authorities where local government where they've been required to pay um, accommodation taxes they are coming up with that but I think generally they've got a um, clean themselves up in terms of um, what the offer is and the, the notion that you know it, it's nothing to do with us gov it is is it's not acceptable if they're going to be a proper appropriate corporate citizen um Brian Chesky, their CEO, talks about how they're going to look after all stakeholders and the wider population is clearly one of the most important stakeholders here. Um, the final area, I think, where that they are, they have problems is in terms of regulation, in particular with planning. And I've got actually a lot more sympathy with them here. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm actually quite opposed to the current lobbying efforts by some people within the hotel industry. They're attacking Airbnb. Airbnb for, um, you know, they're, they're jumping on the bandwagon saying Airbnb is squeezing out um, long-term renters, they're making rental accommodation too expensive. Um, and do you know what? This is coming back to bite hoteliers, I think. And we're seeing that here in London, um, where this same logic that is being used to attack Airbnb is also being used to attack hoteliers um, in Westminster. And so Westminster Council now is turning around and saying, actually, if you want to build a new hotel, you've got to supply some affordable housing. Well, oh, how unfair, say hoteliers. And I think rightly, because I think it's bonkers, I think taxing the, um, the supply of property accommodation um, even if it's short term um, you know as a way of trying to improve the overall provision of accommodation is is madness um, but I, I think the hotel industry ought to make common calls with Airbnb about this and sort something out in terms of the overall planning regime and what's going on at the moment um, in this area um, yep they've got to do something on life safety yep they've got to tidy up their tax um, but the hotel industry ought to, ought to align with them and say we we need um, appropriate regulation across the industry here. And is there certain markets where we've seen quite a large penetration of Airbnb versus other other city markets where it's been less impacted? Amsterdam is the obvious example where we've seen them. Um, the city there take extensive action against Airbnb and they're now considering banning it in certain places. Um, there's been a lot of um, cities in Italy where it's been an issue and um, I was told by an Italian on the ground there that one of the reasons for that was because of the extensive, um, oddly enough, the extensive red tape in Italy which makes it very hard to set up um, a hotel or anything like that and Airbnb makes it easier to um, to get to market. So there's that which uh, is kind of uh, opposite to the way it is everywhere else in the world but um, certainly New York they've had issues and New York is where they been really pushing for transparency of those listing um, which I think is completely fair you should know where the different Airbnb sites are um, just for tax purposes and for as we've mentioned before fire safety 
how do you know if there's 20 people in there when the fire engine goes around, things like that. There shouldn't be any problem with people knowing that you list your property on Airbnb and for them to fight it as much as they have, um, I think it's something they'll have to pass by if they want to go public. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I, I think um, hospitality is at a very exciting stage of its evolution as a business and accommodation at the forefront of that. Um, and, what, you know, what I worry about, I see the dead hand of um, regulation rearing its head. Um, and uh, I'm mixing metaphors there somewhat. Um, and, and I worry greatly that, that, that this innovation we have, this new this fresh air we've got breathing through and enabling all sorts of creative ideas and concepts to come forward is going to be snuffed out and I really worry about that I really don't want to see that yep we've got to have a level playing field but let's not snuff this great creative force out and talking of innovative ideas those clever Spaniards at Melia have come up with a, a new way to sell their uh, hotel rooms online Catherine they have indeed yes you can now buy gift cards loaded with loyalty points on Amazon so uh, first time out for them and the first time out for using Amazon and a return to Amazon for selling hotel rooms although kind of not as directly as they may have attempted in the past so we shall see, Melia are very happy. And um, other hotel operators tell us that other gift cards are available, but from them and not from Amazon, so we'll see how long that lasts. It's, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Amazon have had a little dabble in the accommodation market, um, but they, they, they went away. This was two, three years ago in, um, in New York. Uh, they went away again. They're gonna come back. Um, my suspicion is that they'll come back uh, with um, a lot of money and they'll make a big acquisition and a big play at some stage just as they have in the grocery market so they moved on whole foods um, the scary thing is I think for any uh, the incumbents in our industry is when Amazon makes a move it immediately devastates the share price of the incumbents so you look at what happened in in the case of grocery as soon as Amazon bought whole foods um, the share prices of all the competitors just fell through the floor because they realized Amazon was serious about this and they were going to invest money and when you look at Amazon's cost of capital which is next to zero it's a very tough thing to compete against and I think we've got to keep a weather eye on what's going on here with Amazon. And of course the other thing is we'll all be shouting Alexa book me a room or will we saying book me uh, the Hilton? Well, we won't be saying the latter. That's that's the problem, unfortunately. And I, I think it, it, it's. I mean, it's been labelled by some um, marketing analysts as you know the the brand killer. Um, and I think I think there is a there is a problem with voice technology in that uh, in in that regard because people don't go to brand.com websites when they're initially looking to make their reservations. You you know we've had our arguments at hotel analysts with this whole book direct campaign, but I think that is unquestionable and that's not going to change it's even harder i think the whole book direct piece if consumers are going to start just talking to their devices um they're not then going to start because the, the whole convenience aspect of that is you know i book me a room wherever well book me a room in in london um on next tuesday um they're, they're not going to then go to all the effort and hassle of saying well actually we well, you know what if Marriott got an offer what if um, hilton got an offer that that is simply not going to come into it um and i think unless you're completely embedded in terms of you an ultra loyal um point collector or whatever it is experience collector in terms of the loyalty program um with hilton or Marriott, you're not going to be that obsessed with that so i think there's there's is a, is a potential real threat here with Alexa. Great. Well, on that scary note, we'll leave our listeners to ponder. Thank you both.